Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. It's me, Chris Denson, your gracious host. In case you guys are tuning in for the first time ever, first of all, shame on you. Secondly, the show covers all things, great ideas, great people, smart people doing smart things. Uh, and today, the bug does not stop. Here with uh, the man himself, DJ Jazzy Jeff. Yeah, man. How did I, how was that? DJ. Do I, oh, that was good. good. My that was pretty good. DJ. I might have to take that and put that on a mixtape. Yeah, that's why, that's why yeah. I did it. I was like, <laughs> let me, I'm going to give you some sound bites to like yeah. grab for, for later. Um, um, is it Jeff? Jazzy? Jeff is good. Je- yeah. Je- Jermaine. Jeff is... Jeff is- with my friends, Which, yeah, okay. All right. Oh, I'm a friend. How about that? <laughs> um, all right, let's let's start. Let's start from the not, not necessarily the beginning, mm-hmm. but um, somebody were living under a rock. Uh, how would you describe mm-hmm. a, a DJ Jazzy Jeff? Oh man, aka wow. just plain Those Jeff. Are, yeah. Um, uh wow, that's a good one. Probably, uh, I am a DJ producer first and foremost, music lover. Um, uh, self-imposed ambassador for the culture, um, but I think I, I like if I had to label anything, I feel like I am a music messenger. Hmm. That that you know your job is to heal and uh, satisfy and bring joy to people through music, whether hmm. making it or playing it. Um, if you had to define the message a little further. Um, well, you know what I think? I think music is a message that it's all on the individual on how they interpret it. You know, I can play the same song that could remind you of when you met your wife, but I can also play the same song to bring back a memory of a lost loved one. Mm. So, you know, as long as it creates some kind of emotion, um, hopefully positive emotion, um, you know, I, I, I consider job well done. Um, because we're here in New Zealand, and I'm sure you've traveled the world many times over, do you see that? Like, just just from a pure, let's forget the like music production part, mm-hmm. but like as a DJ, when you look out into the crowd, do you see that emotion yes. in people? Yes, a lot, a lot, and I think that's one of the things that kind of keep you going. I think, um, you know, people who come to, you know, the 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 shows, the events, get a level of attachment. Mm. And you, you know, you, you get to see it like, and it's really funny because people don't look at necessarily music like that or not on the first part of their brain that, you know, music has that kind of emotion, but they don't necessarily know it. So it's kind of like when you know that music or that has that level of power, that, that I'm conscious of what I'm doing, even when you're not. So I'm conscious, you know, there are times in a set that I'm playing records that I know that it's it's a constant elevation that I know what the fifth record is going to do with you when I'm on the first, wow. because I'm watching what you do. You're watching the release. You're watching, you know, times that, you know, and, and it's, and it's also crazy that, you know, the times that we live in now more than ever, we kind of need that release. So Absolutely. your job becomes a little bit more relevant, you know, when it's kind of like, okay, you know, the world is in this weird place and let me give you two hours of taking you somewhere, whether mm-hmm. it be, you know, I'm just going to enjoy myself or reminiscing about a time is really to hopefully get you to forget about some of the things. And and you see that you, yeah. you can you can feel the vibe. You can feel the energy in the room when when people are with you. Well, it, it, I mean, it makes me think about like entertainment as escape you know so mm-hmm. but i think music is probably the purest escape yeah because you know if i'm watching tv that commercial that comes on is gonna be a political thing yeah, yeah. or even com- like uh, you know I, I came up doing stand-up comedy and i almost can't watch comedy now just because of the like all the political commentary yeah, right i just yeah. like i want to go laugh i want to like, laugh I don't, yeah. right and the same thing i guess when you know when i show up at a venue and you're you're the dj and I, and the other thing I thought about was just sort of uh, this is a really bad parallel was Dennis Rodman, right? When he mm-hmm. when they talked about like how he could read defense, yeah, he would be five or six moves ahead. And Absolutely. I think most people in their superpower yeah. are five or six steps ahead. Yeah. Um, how has that played out in the other parts of your career? Because obviously you've you know you've escalated yourself. You've gotten five or six steps ahead of the game in, in um, some cases. Some places it's better than others. Um, I think the DJ aspect, because it's so instantaneous, you, you, you have a better shot of reading it. 
um, you know, uh, Chris, the, you know, my, my, my video, you know, director mm -hmm. of all things media, we always have these conversations. How come the camera's not on now? I'm try not, I, didn't, I didn't make the camera cut. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're always trying to navigate the, the, the space of, you know, media, social media, because it changes, you know, it, it, it was a point that it changed every year and it changed every six months. It changed every three months. It's almost changing mm -hmm. every month now that, you know, we we would shoot videos. We, we have a web series, Vinyl Destination, that was 15 minutes long. And then, it, and, that, and then that turned into, you know, 10 minutes long to five minutes long mm -hmm. to, you know, Instagram videos and stories. You know, the way that people consume, you know, uh, it's a little bit different um, than, than music. It's a little bit different than a live experience. It's almost kind of like you can... I used to explain it like if I went to the biggest party of the year and I came in with a yellow suit, people would be like, wow, Jeff had that crazy yellow suit on. Right. It's different if I wear that yellow suit every week. Yeah. Three weeks, yeah. there's that guy in that yellow suit again. So it's kind of like a live experience. Sometimes it's one and done. Sometimes you don't want people to dissect it. I want you to get it while you get it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when you think of back in the day, Mozart, somebody basically wrote on a tree, Mozart's coming in six months. And Mozart rolled up in a horse and buggy, got out, went to the pub, went into the place, played the piano, kissed all of the girls, got a drink, got in a horse and buggy and left. Right. You didn't see commercials for Mozart. You didn't get Instagram <laughs> texts or any of that kind of stuff. Right. The live experience was you being there. Someone didn't videotape it. You know, the most you got was you went to the pub and was like, yo, you missed Mozart. And he was really dope. So it's kind of like, I think taking a live experience and making a, it about who is in front of you is sometimes what makes it special. It's sometimes that's when you can read the room. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a thing on... Um, you know, on my rider, we have a case of water. And the case of water is, you know, six bottles are for us, but the remaining case are for us to pass out to people in the crowd that you can tell that are partying mm. and, and, and may be thirsty. But that changes someone's life. You don't understand the person that is kind of like, oh, my God, I'm having an amazing experience. And then he cared enough to reach down and hand me a bottle of water. Like, wow, yeah. like, thank you. Yeah. You know, but those are the the interactions live that you can control. The, do you think, I mean, with the social media things you just mentioned, does that make your job harder or easier? Cause, and I say that because, you, like, the Mozart example is written on a tree. Like, that's where everybody's going. Now there's messages written on trees every, yeah. you know, thousands per second, right? Um, metaphorically speaking, of course. But, um, uh because there's you got to cut through the clutter there's competition yeah, there's all yeah. i have a dozen different choices i can make on any given night on what i choose to do yeah. so does that make your job harder when you're in that venue to to deepen that connection and um, keep the longevity going no not in the venue it may be harder getting people in the venue but once you're there somebody's you know why you're there you know it's it's kind of like um you you the, the, the best way to make sure that you stay outside of the clutter is continue looking forward and keep doing what you're doing. Mm. You know, I think when you start looking lateral at what everybody else is doing is when you kind of lose focus. It's kind of like, you know, it, it's, I equate it to you going to your favorite restaurant. You go to your favorite restaurant because they cook your favorite dishes. Mm -hmm. As long as you keep cooking those dishes with quality and care, the people will continue to come back. It's when you start changing them up. It's when you start, you know, worrying about what are they cooking across the street? Or oh, they're cooking ribs and their ribs supposed mm -hmm. to be really good. I think we can beat their ribs, you know, is is when things change. But I think, you know, the, the, the hard part is getting people in because like you said, you do have mm. a million choices now. But at the end of the day, you kind of like, I may have 999,000 new choices, but I got one choice that I know that's guaranteed. Right. That I may not want to take that gamble. Well, you also can't, I like, 
choosing you as my source of entertainment at, mm-hmm. at that point in time um, also means I get to experience something very special and unique, you know, um, as far as like the, your legendary career, right? Yeah. It's like, that's a once in a lifetime chance. Um, what what do you think has been, not to be too typical here, mm-hmm. but like the, the sort of the secret to the longevity? Right, because that's a. <laughs> um, well, you know what? There's a lot of people who've come and gone. There, the funny thing is, I don't think it's necessarily a secret. I think um, one thing, I don't have a Clark Kent Superman persona. Like, it's easier for me to navigate life as one person mm, mm-hmm. than let me go in the closet and turn into Jazzy Jeff and my chest sticks out and it's all the rest of this. How I am on stage is how I am off stage. Um, because that kind of helps me keep my level of sanity and it's one less person to worry about. Right. Um, but I also think that the older that I've got, the more I realize how much I don't know and becoming thirsty for more knowledge Mm -hmm. and understanding like, yo, I don't know all of the music. I don't know what, necessarily is going to make people move every day. So I need to open up my, my my brain and pay attention. Sometimes you can see someone do something and it'll trigger something. But as soon as you get to a point, and I feel like in anything that you think that you are at a point that you know it all mm-hmm. is when everything starts to become over. Yeah. Like you really, you know, and I just think that just kind of taking this approach of, being a student, I think I'm more of a student now than I've ever been in my life. And I think that just comes with age and maturity that you're just kind of like, you know what I mean? Like com- coming back to New Zealand and, and, and doing this tour, the world looks different every time you come because you open yourself up. It's kind of like, yo, like I, I haven't seen all of New Zealand. I mm-hmm. haven't experienced the culture of New Zealand like I have this trip and I won't you know, I'll probably yeah. do it more next time. So, that's, I mean, that's more like a student of life than it is yeah, a student that, of the craft. But that right? kind like, of goes into the craft. Mm. Like, I don't I don't know if you can necessarily separate, you know, if you necessarily can separate the two. It's kind of like that's all a part of it. The craft part is just, you know, the technical side of yeah. me doing what I want. I think the interaction and the connection to the people is the life connection. It's it's me paying attention that I think you might've had a bad day. Right. So let me try to pull you out of that. Like without the life connection, I'm just playing record. Uh, back to the, the Clark Kent versus Superman like idea. Um, Cause I was thinking about this earlier, as far as, you know, when you guys started out as Fresh Prince and like, I'm a huge comedy fan. So I, I, you guys came along with humor and playfulness at a time when, Nobody else was really doing it. Like there, there was a little bit, but not to the to the degree that, yep. that you guys did it. Um, and I thought about the idea of authenticity. So you're talking about authenticity now, yeah. <laughs> um, and then like, what do you think are some similarities and or differences outside of just like getting older and, and wiser? Um, but as far as like how authenticity plays a role in your day to day. Well, I mean, you know what's crazy, <clears throat> and I tell people, we didn't grow up in the suburbs. We didn't grow up with, you know well-to-do families. You know, I had friends who were strung out on drugs. I had friends that were drug kingpins because we all were friends since five. Mm-hmm. And you can't pick your, you know, the direction of your friends. And just because the guy strung out on drugs or the drug kingpin didn't mean that this guy wasn't my friend. We played football, we played peewee, basketball, you know. Um, so understanding how how life is, we just chose not to talk about certain aspects of it. It wasn't like it wasn't a part of our life. Like, I laugh at us being on tour with Chuck D and Flavor from Public Enemy. Chuck D might be the biggest comedian that you will ever know. But you know him <laughs> right. as, yes, the rhythm, the rebel. Mm-hmm. It's because what he projects in his art doesn't necessarily dictate who he is every day in life. So us doing parents just don't understand and Chuck doing welcome to the terror dome. A lot of this, we're a lot of the same people, Mm -hmm. you know, we, you just chose a different route. And I think, you know, 
Will was somebody who was funny, very charismatic. Um, you know, I was telling someone earlier today that, you know, Will wrote Girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble. And I remember I used to play Moments in Love and I used to watch him have three to 400 people stare at his mouth, the entire rhyme hanging on every word because you're visually picturing what he's saying. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I was like, yo, like, that's crazy when you can speak to a point that the story is so entertaining that I'm kind of like, I, I, you know, there's no slideshow. There was no video. Right. You know, so to put that on record, it translated like that. And that was just something that we kind of picked up on and went. Yeah. Just that, that aspect of, of storytelling. Um, uh, you know, along those way, you know, along the way, your career's obviously shifted. I mean, you know, pioneering in the Neo Soul space mm -hmm. and pioneering in the pioneers of the world. Um, with the, uh, I'm sure along the way, there's been a ton of ups and downs. So, like, oh man, on the, <laughs> on the, let's talk about the downs for a second, yep. right? Because we know a lot of the ups, but like, what? Give me an example of one or two, and also like how you overcame. The, the. Uh, I had a very interesting time in the music business. Um, the music business, uh, uh, going into the music business is is believing in Santa Claus. And getting immersed in the music business is understanding that not only is Santa Claus not real, but he is played by a crook. <laughs> um, and learning the lesson to not only accept that because that's the hard part because mm -hmm. you see it like you you see this happening and your brain is saying no nah, it's not that santa claus he's gonna bring toys to all of the good little children and he continues to take from you and take from you and take from you it takes a minute for you to accept that um and after you accept it is when you can start the process of how do you overcome it? You know, you got to repair it and then you have to figure out, okay, so how can I navigate in this space um, and overcome it? Right. Meanwhile, everybody in the world thinks you just got showered with gifts from Santa Claus. <laughs> so it's, you know, there were a lot of times that you got boxes and boxes of free clothes when you really couldn't afford to buy them. Right. And they only gave them to you because they thought that you could afford to buy them. They only gave them to you because they thought you were in a position. You know, it was it was so much looking in the mirror saying, wow, like what it really is isn't what everybody else mm -hmm. thinks. You know, you driving in a McDonald's drive-thru and the girl at the drive-thru is asking you, why are you ordering McDonald's? Number one. <laughs> and, and, and it has <laughs> more to do with... Right people's perception of you change more than you do. Hmm. Like everybody thinks if you hit the lottery for a hundred million dollars, you're not going to McDonald's anymore. Right. A hundred million dollars doesn't make you not like McDonald's, <laughs> but the perception that everyone else has. Right. What are you so doing here? What are you doing here with us? To the perception, not yours, of someone else's. Yeah. Um, and it's really a, a, a wild headspace, especially because this happens to, to especially most entertainers or, 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 or people in my field at a really young age. You're yeah. trying to figure out who you are mm -hmm. while you're trying to figure out what is this? How is this coming? Is this supposed to be, you know, having, having, having a record company give you a check for a million dollars. You know what you never do? Check to see if it should be two. Hmm. And they know that. Right. That's that's the Santa Claus part. They know it. They You've never had a check for a million dollars. Mm -hmm. The last thing you're going to do is say, I think you should hold on to this and let me do some forensic accounting to see if you're cheating me on this million dollars. How dare you? But that's, a, that's, that's hard to do if you're like if you're an up and coming artist. Right. Like a million dollars sounds like a, like an amazing amount of money. Right. But, you, but and, to and, your point, and, and it is. But relatively what if, what if, speaking, what if you're supposed to get to exactly. Exactly. Like for, for what you've did, 
for the work that you put in? What if you're supposed to get to? Well, I think it's the same thing that happens in like the entrepreneurial space. Like I, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show and, you know, innovators in their own rights. But it's the same thing. Like when you take an investment for your company mm -hmm. and like whatever your, the percentage you're negotiating or ownership or direction you're going to take, like how much of yourself do you, uh, how much negotiation room do you give yourself to like, I didn't like the 80-20 rule, right? Yeah. If, if, if that's uh, applicable here. Um, is there a formula or magic pill <laughs> that, that kind of helps you navigate those decisions? No. Well, well, first of all, because the music business, especially the record business, is built off of a very, very bad structure. There's nothing fair about the structure. It, it's, you know, to, to put it bluntly, you know, you pretty much get... Um, if, if they're selling your record for $10, you pretty much make 10 cents. Mm -hmm. Out of your 10 cents, you pay for everything. You don't pay for everything out of the $10. So if it costs you $200,000 to make your record, you're paying it 10 cents at a time. If it costs you $200,000 to make your video, you're paying it 10 cents at a time. If it costs you $200,000 for marketing and promotion, you're $600,000 right. in the hole that you have to pay back at 10 cents at a time. So now you ask yourself, how many dimes does it take to make back $600,000 so you can at least be at zero? But when you count those dimes up and you look on the other side, someone probably has made up close to double whatever. $30 million. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and it's just kind of like, you're going to make $30 million and send me a receipt saying you quite didn't recoup. But I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you money all over again to do it. Like, you really mm -hmm. think that they're doing you a favor. And it's kind of like, I just made $6 million and you made nothing. Let's do it again. Yeah. yeah. Get, back, know, get back in there. Yeah. And it's kind of like, because what you got is you got notoriety. You got the girls. You got to be on MTV. Yeah. You got the TV. All the rest of this. I've... I've I've always realized that when you go to L.A. and you drive in Hollywood Hills, there are more people in those houses that you don't know. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's like it's my favorite Chris Rock joke, or not my favorite, but one of them, where he's like, you know, I got to get up here and shuck and jive and tell jokes and tour the world. He's like, you know what my next door neighbor is? He's a dentist. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's like, my next door neighbor is a dentist. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's the same thing. Like, I, I live in L.A., and, I, like, when I drive through Beverly Hills, I'm like, these are not the people no, you see at all. on TV. You or know, and it's, you know, I think, you know, it's just, I think I realize why we lose some of our favorite artists. Because the part that I think the consumers don't understand is there is probably more heartbreak in the entertainment industry than anything in the world because everybody comes in thinking Santa Claus is real and some people can't take when they realize he's not. Some people don't bounce back. Yeah. And it's kind of like we, from an artistic side, we're the ones that's looking like, I don't understand why Lauren Hill couldn't do it again. Mm-hmm. From an emotional side, you don't know how beat and battered Lauren Hill is from everything that went on that I am not in the headspace to do that again. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm mad. Yep. I'm mad. I'm upset. I'm hurt. You know, and I think having the blessing to, you know, like there was a point in time, you know, I think someone asked me, to name three of the happiest times that you've had in your career. And it was funny because I wasn't even paying attention. I was like, oh, my God. Like, you know, when me and Will used to do the YMC on 52nd, YMCA on 52nd Street and such and such, and then going out to the plateau on Sunday and such and such, and the guy was just like, oh, wow. So all of these things had nothing to do with your career. And I basically stopped and was like, wow. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it was when the expectations and all of these things weren't there. So how did you, how did you get back there? Because at some point you return to the love you, somehow. But that's what it is. Once you realize that I didn't start this for any of the things that I'm complaining about, I started it because I had a love for music. Yeah. You know. Uh, you, no, know no I, you know, I, I started it because the same way Kobe Bryant started playing basketball because he enjoyed it. You know, no one got a check being in the playground shooting by themselves, mm -hmm. shooting free throws, making your first dump. You know, it's, you start doing something because you love it. 
you know, I, I, I've always said that, you know, to me, especially in music, there are three sections. There's, you know, I'm going to do this because I enjoy it. And this is my hobby. When you start making money off of it, your hobby turns into a job. There are a few people that the job turns into a career. Mm-hmm. The issue is there are more people who have jobs that think they have careers. And it's just kind of like when you get to the point that you can pick and choose what you want to do and when you want to do it is when that job has turned into a career. So as many gems as you're dropping right now, um, I can't keep up. Uh, you For the past few years, you've been doing this um, camp yeah. um, at, at, at your your. Place. What's the address again? No, I'm just kidding. Playlist. <laughs> <laughs> What's the address? Um, no, so, and I think if, if from outside looking in, it feels like a lot of the stuff that you're talking about yes. are things that get talked about there, and especially from an emotional standpoint, which I think is the part we don't address often enough. Oh, man. Like, the emotional attachment to the ups and the downs is just as important as, like, how to make strategic moves yes. business-wise. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about Playlist and, you know... Uh, um, Playlist actually started out um, because I do a lot of work with Red Bull 3 Style, which is the global DJ competition. Um, and watching how Red Bull 3 Style enabled 30 of the biggest DJs in the world to spend 10 days in Tokyo. 10 days with your peers is monumental. Mm. You know, someone who does comedy you may do a show with two of your peers and you, you know, you eat dinner and you kind of talk, Hey, how's everything? And blah, blah, blah. To spend 10 days. That's when it goes into the promoter in St. Louis sucked. The promoter in San Francisco is great. Have you played at such and such? Oh my God. What about such and such? Hey, you ever think about if we did something to get, that's where all of that mm-hmm. happens. And that's what happened at Three Style that I kind of was like, you know what? I want to throw a DJ retreat because we're there for the competition. We get all of the extras, you know, from, right. from the downtown. I want to throw something that it's the downtown. So I came up with this idea. I want to do a DJ retreat. I said it to my wife. I said it, you know, to, to the, basically the whole team. But I... I I wasn't in a position to execute it. My wife threw me a 50th birthday party. It was the most covert thing that anyone has ever done. <laughs> I was, uh, you know, uh, the way my brain worked, I, I was as happy and as gracious as I was. I was really, really upset because I was just like, every last one of my friends has known for six months. It was video tributes. It was video tributes of everyone around the globe that I played for that I'm like, so you were getting video tributes from this guy and I didn't even know it. Like, so the whole world knew and I didn't. But long story short, it was planned out so well. The next day we all sat around the table and I was like, we can pull this off. And we got a yellow pad and paper, Mm -hmm. which I think the world started with a yellow pad and paper. And we just kind of wrote down um, Serato and, and New Zealand became, you know, the the one of the presidents of Serato's just so happened to be at the, the birthday party and they stayed over the next day. And he was just kind of like, you know, I would we would love to be a sponsor in it. And we started and we it started like, let's get some of the most influential needle moving, pushing the culture forward DJs mm-hmm. because no I'm having intended. it. Yes. Because I am having this at my house, I can't invite everybody. Right. So, you know, we we hand-selected some people. And then it was kind of like, well, you know, a lot of these DJs that push the culture forward, we play a lot of obscure, really great music from some relatively unknown producers. So we started saying, well, what if we invited them too? Because now what we can do is if we create this network as as they make this really good music, they'll give it to us first. We can become the music messengers. And it started with producers and DJs. We, uh, uh, you know, hooked up with Aunt Demby um, and gave him the idea. And Aunt basically curated 
um, you know, Shout sat down and curated because it was kind of like, okay, I don't want to just invite people to my house. And we just like, all right, what are we going to do? Like, let's give them something. And it was kind of like, you know, let's find the manufacturers that make the gear that guys like us want or right. need. Let's have a conversation. I get frustrated that manufacturers make some product. They don't ever consult with the people who use it. Absolutely. They give it to you. You're like, it sucks. They're like, you don't understand what, you know, you're talking about. And I'm kind of like, I'm the one that's on stage doing this. There's this big back and forth with the manufacturers and their stuff doesn't work. And we don't have the stuff that we need. Right. So I'm like, let's, this is really, this let's is get perfect. It's like, a, like it's perfect gumbo. Yeah. Let's put everybody in the room and let's have conversation. The part that I didn't know or think about was the emotional damage that everybody has gone through that you talk about when we all get together. And it was kind of like, I'm thinking we're going to get together and this is going to be great. And it was tears. It was people saying, yo, I got to be honest. I was. Now, how many people were we talking about? Because I think it's still the, intimate, like around this, 75 no, well, the, well, no, the first year might have been like 40, 45. Okay, okay. But it was people that were like, yo, I was ready to quit. I didn't find a purpose. I don't. Un I didn't understand what I was doing. This isn't going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And being around a bunch of the peers and getting information, you know, of like, hey, I got this club in San Jose that would love to have you. And you started seeing the networking. That was the eye-opening yeah. part for me because I didn't expect that. I think I think it's something powerful when, you know, we feel isolated in the downside of whatever we pursue, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's like, oh, you 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 know Santa Claus, you should be you should be yeah. fine, right? Until you start finding those peers who share the same thing, and yes. it's, it's very I find that it's very freeing in in a way because because oh all of a sudden you're not alone, right? For whatever you've been thinking about in your head or in your heart for months or years or days, or whatever, suddenly you're like, you too, like it's and, and especially if somebody I idolized, right? Like, and we don't talk about it. Uh -huh. Like we, you know, a lot of the retreat has turned into we need to address the elephant in the room. Like at at the the this last retreat, we did a very big mental health and wellness panel. That's great. That, you know, it, it, and it was wild because there were people that, you know, started saying, like, you know, I have anxiety from being in front of so many people. And what cures that anxiety is a drink. And then one drink turned into two drinks and two drinks turned into four drinks. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point that I have a problem. And to see people really open up their free, because the, the interesting thing, I've always said, creatives are the weirdos to non-creatives. They don't understand. I, you know, I would always say I can walk down the street and I can kick a can and that can will bounce three times and I have to go make that beat out of that rhythm <laughs> that that can made. Nice. And someone who's not creative mm -hmm. doesn't understand how something like that can call you at any time. Having a, re a, a, a retreat of all of the weirdos. Yeah. Like, oh, man. everybody it's... else is the weirdos. This is a retreat of all of the normal people. Like, yeah. the, the first year that we did it, Lord Finesse said, this seems like Professor Xavier's camp for gifted students. And that kind of stuck. That mm -hmm. it kind of like, you know, we feel like we're all going to mutant camp. Yeah. Because the conversations that you have, I'm having with someone that I know understands it and gets it. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it's, it, that is great. Uh, by the way, what's, what's with the Star Wars? Oh, listen, this is... And uh, also that uh, Hannibal Lecter <laughs> chair has been bothering me since yeah, I walked yeah. in. But. That's the, it, listen, that was in here when we got here. That <laughs> it's became... Like a, it's like a sex torture listen, chair. we all have take <laughs> turns in that chair. That you, oh, you're taking turns. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> you're taking turns in the, in the sex torture in the chair. chair. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, like just the, the Star Wars theme, you know, and your your logo and your uh, creative look. What What is that? It wasn't anything. It was uh, The logo was designed with the Star Wars font, and mm. it just kind of stuck. Oh, okay. You know, it's one of those Cool. Let's, that, let me move so on I to the next... Uh, no. <laughs> it wasn't like an Obi-Wan Kenobi or, you know, Jeff, you have the force. Exactly. There's no hologram sent Even to you? Even though no. I could kind of throw that in there like that was the plan. If you start using holograms during your DJ sets, you then you can be like... I could be home. Oh, yeah, that too. That you do home. like Luke did in the, in the last yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I, I, I want to touch on just some of like the inventive natures uh, of what you've done, you know, whether it's working with, I think it was Pioneer and like mm-hmm. helping like to your point. It's like, yeah. I need a better thing to do this, which is scratching. And yeah. like, that was one of the first, I think there's this balance between what people call purists in, in your industry and just where technology and culture is taking us. Um, what, and I think you touched on it at the beginning, but like, what is a DJ now? Because because <laughs> that's, you know, whether it's vinyl or Serato or iPad, like whatever, there's so many different ways that people call themselves DJ. The crazy thing is I don't think the DJ today, excuse me, I don't think the DJ today, his function has really changed the, the, the fundamental basis. And it is your job to make people have a good time through music. I think the part where it gets um, a little confused is that is by turntables, records, Serato, CDs, MP3s, DVDs, whatever. <laughs> like, I think we put so much focus and emphasis on the way that it's presented. And someone said to me a really long time, you do a festival and it's 10,000 people there. 200 people can see what you're doing. So 9,800 people only hear it. They don't care what you're using as long as you satisfy their ears. Mm-hmm. So I I have always maintained, trust me, I'm a, I'm, I, I'm a purist, but I'm also a realist. Like I'm somebody that my reasoning for using turntables is that's what I've used and that's what I've always used and that's what I feel most comfortable with. Mm-hmm. I don't fault any medium that anybody else uses to get their point across, which is to satisfy me with music. You know, and that's where, to me, sometimes the lines become drawn because I think that there are DJs that care more about the equipment than their job function. Right. You know, at the end of the day, We've gotten to the point that the most beautiful picture you ever seen was taken with an iPhone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not not beautiful because it wasn't taken with a Canon right. or film or, you know, I think people start putting emphasis on the wrong thing. So well, I you- felt like it was my job for the culture to help some of the equipment that enable us to do our job better. Not necessarily easier because there is nothing on earth that can there's nothing on earth that can DJ for you as much as they're kind of like oh well you know this will mix this record with this record right. there's I, I have not seen anything that can look out into the crowd and say I think he's having a bad day and I need to play never too much by Luther because I think that's right. going to pick him up there's nothing that can read a crowd I don't care what kind of technology you have that can mix a record for you. I don't think that there's any piece of technology that could ever replace me. Well, I think that I think, you know, it goes back to what you said, just like there's an emotional connection to the art. Um, you know, I do some mentoring for like Google Launchpad, which mm-hmm. is their international accelerator. And I sat there and talked to 30 different entrepreneurs from, you know, 30 different countries. And I, just, I was asking one simple question. Have you met one of your customers? Yeah. No. Like, yeah. like, moreover, more often than not, the answer was no. And it was just like, go talk to people. Go interact with a human being. Like, the technology can allow you to build a business, but you, but without, like, the human, you know, empathy, there's, yeah. you, you, you really got, you're at a base level. Well, one of the things that I also believe that I think it's also by design that the person who can collaborate and can pull the emotional part out of music can't be taught. So how can you make it so that anybody can do it? Mm-hmm. So you start getting less emotional music. You start getting less emotional content. And there's a side of me that I think that is by design because we need to be able to control it in a way that I can do it. Because right. when when you can do something that I can't, then now I'm, then I'm at a deficit. But I think my approach is I don't pay attention 
to what anyone else is doing. I'm not caring about what someone else is doing. I'm always going to give you the emotional side of it because it has always worked for me. Yeah. You know, I'm, you know, and I've always said, like, I don't care. You know, this it's a whole really big thing. You know, oh, my God, every celebrity wants to DJ. Everybody wants to DJ. You know, I don't care who wants to DJ. Like, you know, if if you really have a passion for it and this is something that you want to do, I invite anybody. I am never in fear of someone taking my job. Right. Because at the end of the day, I'm giving you an emotion that's going to be different than someone else. And Absolutely. what I try to do is give it to you enough that that's what you're coming for. Mm -hmm. You're coming for that level of, of attachment and not just coming for the music. I'm coming because like, yo, like this is, you know, this is crazy. Like, you know, the, how he, how he pulled me in and, and took me on this emotional ride through music, you know, that that's what I'm coming for. How does your craft translate into basic life principles? Um, like what is, what is DJing giving you like outside of if no music is like all music aside, like when Jeff is just out in the street, what is always sticking with you that you picked up from the, from you? the shortest distance to a point is a straight line. Like you don't have to go all the way around. Sometimes, you know, people, go all the way over here to come all the way back over here. It, and it's some, sometimes things are very, very simple. If you just go straight to what, you know, what you're trying to do. And like an example, like if, like if I'm trying to break up with somebody or like, or you, I mean, it's just, you know what it is? Like I tell people DJing and cooking is very similar. Like I, I'm, I'm a really good cook. Oh yeah, I just you just missed. Oh yeah, I did. I, I, I smell someone. I walked was, in. I just you know, um, and that was one of the reasons why sometimes when we travel, we try to get places like this because this adds a level of normalcy. Right. That instead of going out to eat, you know, it's kind of like, listen, show me where the supermarket is. Let me go get some fruit and some vegetables and mm -hmm. you know some chicken and some steaks, and we're gonna cook our own food. But to me, cooking is common sense. You know, the basis is common sense. You know, you want to make waffles or pancakes. It's flour, eggs, milk. Now you want to jazz your pancakes up, put a little bit of vanilla extract in it. Put a little bit of sugar in it. Put a little bit of lemon extract in it. You know, put some nutmeg, put some cinnamon. Those are the extra things that they all kind of go together. Because when you think, what do you put in the cake? You put a little bit of sugar, you put mm -hmm. a little bit of flour. Oh, man, I want my pancakes to kind of taste really good. I don't want them just to be bland. So what takes the blandness away? Put a pinch of salt, put a little bit of sugar, put a little bit of vanilla extract. It's the same thing with music. I'm going to give you the fundamental stuff in music, and then I'm going to add a little bit of the extra sprinkles. And, and I think that is how, you know, that's you how life. I approach everything. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I'm coming over for breakfast tomorrow. So, <laughs> so, um, so the, uh, it's been said that this is the 85th uh, birthday of the DJ, the disc jockey. Oh wow! This uh, this year, I think it was, uh, it was like the introduction of the disc jockey came up. Um, obviously, you're not that old, but what um, what was your introduction to DJing, and and what resonated with you most at whatever age that was? Are you like, I'm doing this? Um. Mine wasn't so much of the radio DJ. I mean, we all had that. Um, I think, you know, growing up in Philly and having street DJs or having block parties, um, I remember going to a block party and seeing these massive speakers on scaffolds that this guy had these big giant speakers and horns and he was set up on an enclosed porch so you couldn't see who he was. You mm -hmm. could only hear him. And you heard him narr narrating the records and you heard the re him play the records and go from one record to another. And I'm looking at this glass that I don't know who this person is, but I'm watching the reaction of the people. And I was like, yo, he is the puppet master. Mm. Like, I want, you know, I, was, I want power. I, yeah. It was, <laughs> but it, you know what it was? It was just. He is making people do things with the records he plays and how he plays them. And I think that was the the attraction, that it was the joy, the emotion. Like, he played this record that is kind of like, every time I heard that record, 
I thought back to that moment. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, like sometimes you can give people musical timestamps that will be attached to a specific song in a specific moment. And I was kind of like, I want to be that person to do that. That was the first introduction that it was kind of like, I, I I want to do it. And I think even, even saying it now, my first DJ interaction was an emotional one. And I think that's what kind of got me that I want mine to be an emotion. I want mine to be, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful when you'll bump into someone and they just kind of like, Oh my God, I remember I was in Vegas and you were playing and I came through and that was the best night of my life, mm -hmm. you know? And it's kind of, Oh, I met my girl, you know, because it was the best night of her life and we just danced the night away. You know, those are the, the, the rewards of why you do what you do. Yeah. I think in most crafts, like it, it, you know, we set out on a journey. Let's go back to your Santa Claus mm -hmm. thing. You're like, I'm going to entertain millions, but it's yeah. that like one letter. Like I remember I got a, a, a email, like somebody listened, I interviewed Chameleonaire. They listened to that and decided to quit smoking. Wow. And I was like, yeah. completely unexpected, yeah. you know, human result from, from that, yeah. that, you yeah. know. You that don't connection. know how somebody's going to translate it. You don't know. It was, it was, I remember, um, you know, I remember working on someone's album um, and it came out and they were saying how people were coming. Who's the someone? Saying, I, no, I'm not going to say <laughs> Come on, um, man. But they were saying how people were like, it, it, it really bothered them because they were like, people were like, yo, I was really ready to commit suicide. And then I heard your music and it changed, you know, yeah. and, and, I understand how it bothered because sometimes that's a lot of pressure, you know, to realize that if I have the ability through my music to save someone's life, I don't want to look at the flip side of that. Right. Um, but, you know, you don't know how, you know, how it's going to be like that. A, a lot of that, the water bottle isn't just for the person who's thirsty. You know, I, I I'm somebody that, I make a conscious effort for everyone to pay attention to the person in the crowd who has their camera in their hand because you know they really want to take a picture and they just can't get it. Mm -hmm. And it changes someone's life when you call them up to the front and you grab their camera and you take a picture. <laughs> yeah, You know what I mean? Like those are very small, subtle things that almost don't have anything to do with music but creates an emotional attachment. Absolutely. You know? And I think, you know, the the more that you do that, the more that you bring people, you know, bring people along. So uh, as you've traveled the world, uh, the show's called Innovation Crush. Um, what have you seen that you've personally been crushing on? Some uh, experience, it might be a meal you had, it might be a museum you went to, it might be a piece of technology you encountered. What's something that you're like recently, you're like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. Um, You know what's funny? Um. As far as being in the U.S., I think going to different states is really interesting when you can see how one state is a lot more progressive than the, than the others. You know, you go to, you know, I remember going to Denver and I was just kind of like, yo, like they just have bikes laying around that people just scan these bikes and you get on a bike and you just go for a ride. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of like, how come they don't have that in Philly? Why don't they, you know, why don't... You know you can't leave no bike laying around in Philly. Exactly. <laughs> but it's, you know, but it's like you see certain innovations. You see the way that people's public transportation um, and just the interactions, you know, and then you only can go by what you see in your hometown. And then you, you look in your hometown and sometimes these things aren't there. It was it was really amazing, you know, like over the summer, you know, I, I moved outside of Philly and over the summer, I went back and it was kind of like, well, when did they get this? And when did they get this food truck park? And when did right. they get this? That you kind of see that it, it catches up, but it gives you the chance to see who does it first. On a global side, you can see the countries from healthcare to, you know, museums and just the way, you know, you go somewhere and it's kind of like, Oh man, you know I'm not feeling really well. Why don't you go to the doctor's? Well, you know I don't know if my insurance insurance man, your healthcare is free over here. Just go to the doctor, you know. Wow. And and yeah. that that goes into a more social 
side of advancement that you see. Um, and even technology wise, you know, it's, you know, going to a place like Dubai and you're just kind of like, you know, I just saw a clip that they're training their policemen on the hover, on the on hover helicopters. Yeah, yeah, like they're riding a drone. Like, like it's, just, uh, <laughs> it's just crazy, you know. But you know, you 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 know, being a DJ first and foremost means I am probably the utmost geek. So you get a kick out of mm. you know technology and how something works and how efficient something is. And do they have something? You know, we would. You know, I was joking. Like you know, I've. You know, I had the little back massager chair thingy and all the rest of this. And we come in here and they have a whole massage chair that you sat in there and you do the full body massage. And this is massaging your hands, your shoulder. Like we were sitting there. I'm sitting there like, yo, I ain't got to pay for massage. Like, you know, <laughs> right. Because I've gotten in massage chairs that I'm kind of like, yeah, somebody is trying to hurt you. And, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know. I'm scared of yeah, most of them. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I asked last night, I was just kind of like, you know, let me ask you a question. I was like, are there any reports of these things kind of killing somebody? Like, has it <laughs> strangled or choked somebody? Look, look, look at it. It's yeah, just, it, it, looks it looks dangerous. like an electric chair. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. you know, it, it's, I think. That's like a last um, meal chair. Yeah. You, need <laughs> you know, but but traveling, traveling yeah. the globe, um, it's really funny that Americans, and especially American DJs, really think that America is at the forefront musically. And yeah. I can honestly say America is not in the the, the top half of the forefront Absolutely. musically. Um, but, you know, we're very arrogant. We think that we know everything. We think everybody, you know, wants to come there and this is the land of the free, home of the brave, which is, you know, is cool. But you know, you find yourself going around looking at the beauty of places and how simple things are and how everything kind of navigates. And you kind of like, you know what? I could deal without yeah. getting Cocoa Puffs here. Yep. If that's going to be the trade-off, you know. <laughs> right. You know, so it, it's 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 very cool traveling and just gaining a level of perspective. I was going to say, like, and then and then applying it, right? Yes. You know, I would yeah. imagine, let me ask you this, as far as, you know, you, you mentioned, like, for instance, when I landed in New Zealand, I was surprised at how many Lime scooters there were. I was like, these things just yeah. came out. They're, like, yeah. they already made it, all, you know, uh, half, half halfway around the world. Um, but then you start to see, like, how Denver applied the bikes. It's like, then you go, well, how could that work in Philly? And can I be a pioneer yeah. or an entrepreneur yeah. in that space, right? Maybe there is, like, we joked about them being stolen, but maybe there is some sort of lock functionality that yeah. happens. Like, whatever the, the thing is, does that kind of stuff come up in playlists where people, like, I'm more than just X, Completely. right? Like, I want to... Completely. Yeah. I mean, that, but that's, that's what it is. It's almost kind of like, you know, making it be known that there is absolutely nothing special about me. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Like, I am from West Philadelphia, born and raised. There's no silver spoon. There's no extra knowledge. M more than anything, it was opportunity and believing in something. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, I sit back and you think, like, I, I had to believe that I could do this in order to do it, you know? I, it, and you're not a one-trick pony. I think that's not, that's yeah, what you know, most people then, lock. We lock ourselves into oh, a, a pigeonhole. But um, but you know what? Society society locks us in a lot to make you believe that you can't do anything. I, I look at it like I never went to college. Mm -hmm. But it was funny because I had classmates that went to college, got degrees, and came out and asked me for a job. Yeah. And it was just, you know, that's not to say college is bad, but it's kind of like you sometimes to get to your goal is never the typical. I, I don't, I, I've always believed that your life is a, is a Uber ride that you get in and he just takes you where you want to go. Mm -hmm. When you start trying to dictate where he's going is when it gets crazy. Sometimes you need to shut up and pay attention to everything that you see. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, you know, my mom, was very old-fashioned. My mom was, the, you know, she's typical. She's older. And I remember, you know, 
getting my production company off of the ground to the point I had like six studios and had employed maybe like 15 people. And I had a really good friend of mine that was a teacher and she wanted to learn about publishing and I gave her a job. And my mom said, how could you take her away from a good job like being a <laughs> teacher? And I was like, wow, mom, you don't think that I can provide a good job for someone. And I understand, never took it personal because you understand sometimes it's the mentality of people that they don't understand that sometimes you can live outside the box. You know, you can, yep. you know, it doesn't have to be the conventional, you know, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to get a degree and I'm going to. You know, I had, look, I had the same disconnect with my mom. Like it was, you know, I, I, I have a degree in engineering. I used it for a year and a half. Mm. And then, uh, you know, I grew up in Detroit, worked at Chrysler. And I was like, eh. And I like the same thing. My mom didn't quite understand. Yeah. Like, what do you do? This is a woman who came up from the projects of Detroit and then was like, you're going to have a three-piece suit when you go to work. Yeah, so I was yeah. like, yeah. I might. I, I, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> um, last but not least, uh, I would love for you to complete this phrase for me. Um, innovation to me is? Uh, innovation to me is opening your mind and accepting the impossible. Beautifully stated. All right. You know, it's, um, there are times, and I try not to do it when I'm on tour, there are times that I freak out that I'm on an airplane. <laughs> you know, know what I yes. mean? Like, when you think about the it's fascinating and it's incredible like, and it's scary. In exactly. The hell <laughs> took the first shot. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Like who you think about it. Who took the first shot to go in outer space? Somebody had to go in and say, you know what? I could get up here and disintegrate. Right. But I, I'm willing to take the shot. And that's, I think, how we get to so many of these things in places. The entire DJ culture is made up of taking pieces of equipment and making it do something that it wasn't intended to do. Yeah. And that, that birthed the whole culture, you know, to the point that once I realized that you could take the rubber mat off of a turntable and put wax paper and put a quarter on a needle and actually scratch it. Now someone decided to make the, the, the mats, that go underneath the turntable. Somebody created a business out of that. <laughs> Somebody created a DJ needle that you don't need a quarter on and it's not gonna jump. Someone said, I'm going to design a more sturdy turntable to enable you to do what you're doing. You know, to me, that's innovation. That is somebody looking at the need. I think Uber is one of the greatest innovations in the world and it's the simplest thing that any of us could have thought about. Right. But what we have a tendency to do is we overthink. We're thinking the super impossible instead of what could make your every average everyday life better. Yeah, and I, I like, think about it all the time. It's like is you know you think innovation is this big grand like yeah. fireworks, but really it's like oh, what if I turn this over and and did it this way, and then suddenly you got a whole like basically Uber said, what if everybody was a taxi? Not and not just that. <laughs> it's like what do and this is funny. What do most black people in major cities complain about is the taxis riding by them, mm -hmm. and I'm not able to get one. I'm going to solve the problem that you are no longer going to be out on the street hailing a taxi, having to hope that they want to pick you up. Yeah. Now be, you have an app on your phone that you call them, and when they say they're coming, they're coming. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's funny that the taxi cab companies have so much of an issue. And I'm kind of like, if you want to satisfy that, there needs to be a yellow cab app that works just like Uber. Absolutely. Like, I'm like, that's the dumbest thing in the world to me. Like, don't be mad that they came up with it. Take the idea. And do, do something about it. You know what's crazy? Not to get off. Yellow cab could probably be 10 times bigger than Uber. <laughs> yes. You're already there. Exactly. No, look, I, I'm a huge believer that I, you, you know, in, in the idea of frenemies. Um, I'm give, actually giving a talk tomorrow on this whole idea, like unlikely pairings. But one of the, the examples I'm going to bring up is I had this idea when I was working with Hilton to like Hilton should partner with Airbnb. Right. Mm. And it's like, if I go stay at a Hilton, why can't Hilton help me rent my place out? We both, you get my money for the stay. I make a good percentage of my money back. And suddenly we have this great symbiotic relationship. Yeah. 
but it's it's getting out of the antiquated thinking or at least like in the cab business you're like we're fine we're fi-. like how many companies have said yeah we're, we'll be okay I, I, I feel like a lot of that is greed too yeah you know I and ego we, to an extent oh my goodness that is that is worse than greed <laughs> exactly. no is, it is that is worse than it, greed it is um, all right, where can people go and find out more about DJ Jazzy Jeffrey? Well, I mean, you can go to www.djjazzyjeff.com that has all things DJ Jazzy Jeff. You have DJ Jazzy Jeff on Instagram, which is DJ Jazzy Jeff. You have DJ Jazzy <laughs> Jeff on Twitter, which is DJ Jazzy Jeff215. Um, you know, it's 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 very easy to to find, you know. You know, I post, I have an app in the app store on iPhone and Android. What do? DJ, um, listen, How was I told this? That, that if you My ever want team. DJ mixes and you want to be able to stream mixes and shows and videos and content, you know, it's a free app. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it, man. This is great. Uh, everyone, this has been another installment of Innovation Crush, and we will talk to you next time. Oh, 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 oh,